A man become preeminent, he is expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Folks, welcome back to the Pole Hitter Podcast. This is Rob D, the Dead Pole Hitter. You can always catch me on Twitter at Dead Pole Hitter. You can catch me hosting the Pole Hitter Podcast at Pole Hitter Pod and also co-hosting the Launch Angle Podcast with Jeff Zimmerman and Rob Silver. The Twitter handle for that is at Launch Angle Pod. And make sure to subscribe and like everything for both podcasts. We most definitely appreciate any ratings and reviews that goes a real far way to helping the podcast forward. Just wanted to give you guys a quick introduction here. I'm trying to get away from these mini introductions and just saving it for the actual introduction on the show itself. But I did want to give anyone who's interested in playing on the NFBC site, I have a first-time player offer code, promo code for you guys. So I wanted to give it to you. I know I've had several people already DM me and tell me that they were so in inspired by the show to join up the NFBC and uh, I think it's fantastic that everyone is getting part of that site and the community that involved. So if you head over to nfc.shgn.com and you sign up for a league, make sure to put in promo code DEADPOLE25 and you'll get $25 off any league that you sign up for. So go to nfc.shgn.com. And put in promo code DEADPOLE25 when you sign out of any league. And you'll be able to get $25 off any format. And so I have two drafts set up. uh, Two Fridays. One is March 3rd. And it's a Draft Champions Express draft. So it's 50 rounds in one night. And if anyone wants to get involved with that, you could use that $25 off to get involved in that draft. Or you can join me on March 10th. It's another Friday night, and we'll be doing the 12-team Rotowire Online Championship Draft, Fab League. So if that any of those leagues interest you and you want to use the $25 promo code, once again, Deadpool25 on nfc.shgn.com, and you can meet me there. And if you do sign up for any one of those leagues, contact me on Twitter or through email. It'll be cool to find out if you signed up and... Get some trash talk ready to go nice and early. Then hopefully in a couple of weeks I'll have my Patreon set up for everyone to hopefully come and join. Because it's going to be a fantastic experience if you do. Uh, I know everyone who's been following me and if you value the work, if you value what I put in, I think you 100% know what I will be able to offer you um, to show the support uh, that, that I need to keep going. And joining the Patreon. So when you sign up, you're 
going to have access to a whole bunch of stuff that's already stored on the Patreon site. It'll be over 15 draft boards available for draft champions. You'll have worksheets, um, Google Sheets that show the 80th percentile targets for the NFBC 50, the draft champions, the online championship, the main event, and the auction championships. You'll also find Google Sheets that have every format final standings from last year and every single person in the standings rank in every single category. So if you go to the guy who won the overall championship in the main event, you'll be able to see how he produced and run. Was he at 91 percentile? RBI's 87 percentile. It will be listed there for everyone to see. And we'll also have those sheets for you updated on the website um, maybe weekly, maybe daily, however often I can get to it, but you'll be able to see that live in real time for the season coming up as well. So it'll really help you to adjust your targets and what you need to start hitting for a specific category, depending on the run environment, it might change, all that fun stuff. So we'll be in there trying to figure it out and adjusting on the fly. Again, everything I do during the week to prep, to make fab decisions, to make lineup decisions, I'm going to be bringing to you to help you make those same same choices as well. So um, on top of those worksheets, I have several leaderboards available too in Google Sheets, um, probably stuff that no one really is diving into as much as me. It's just the pulled stuff, the pulled barrels, the pulled fly balls, just stuff to take a gander at. Again, this is not like a full rank because of uh, you know one metric. It's just something to look at to make your decision points on certain plays a little more clearer perhaps um we're gonna have a podcast draft guide available to an industry first i think podcast draft guide so when you sign up i'm going to have podcast ready logged up that are ready to go and they will give you pretty much a pathway we'll have a couple of different options will be positional pods where for draft champions It'll give you a roadmap to where to get the values that I think fall in each spot for first base, for second base, for third base, where to get speed, where to get power, where to get average for each position. We'll also get into a categorical podcast to category stats, where to get pockets of values for each category itself. I think that'll be very beneficial for people to get a little bit clearer of a roadmap. I'm working on also incorporating not fully ranks per se of my favorite players from start to finish, but for each category, um, for each position with ADP, I'm going to try to put in a little color coding to show you who I think is a good pick for each spot. So it'll be green for, if I like the guy at value, um, red if I don't, and also with some notes saying Maybe if this should be your second corner option off the bench, or this is your third first baseman to target, or this is the spot. Oh, anything I can fill in the notes, that's what you'll get to with those. Um, so I think it's going to be really beneficial for everyone. We're also going to have, as part of the podcast, Draft Guide, a podcast with Matt Modica talking about his favorite pitchers for the upcoming season. He's going to give insight into several of his high-priced draft and holds, so you'll get to see insights from ADP, um, the differences between the ADPs and 400 DCs to 150, try to give you a little more inclination of what might happen during main event season. 
Um, we're going to have a podcast with Phil Dussault, Steve Weimer, Toby Gabon. I'm going to bring whatever I can to make everyone ready for this drafting season. I'll also have a special podcast with Derek Hardy that you'll be able to find on there. And in season two, I just want to let everyone know that this is strictly, this is going to be heavily focused weekly Patreon. It's going to really drive you to put out your best teams every single week. So I'm going to be still doing the podcast weekly with Todd Whitestone that will be public for everyone that's reviewing the main event bids for each week. And then behind the Patreon, I'm going to be doing two lineup pods per week. So basically for Monday to Thursday, Friday to Sunday, you'll get a podcast blasting through every series, looking at the handedness of the pitchers versus the batters. And and notes too, you'll have a worksheet, a Google worksheet with my notes that I make for every series, for every player. So I'll note if a player has sat often versus a lefty pitcher. Um, what's the usual trend of the lineup? Again, this is more of putting forth that availability of each player, what you can expect maybe each player to see. In the form of production, you know, there's some, I'll throw in notes versus the recent trends versus lefties and righties, the same handedness pitchers, the opposite handedness, if they're hot, if they're cold. But we know some of those things we have to take with a grain of salt, and this will be mostly for just letting you know who's available and who should be playing and who should be starting, who might be coming in the middle of a game. And then that'll just trickle down into your decision. You can make better choices of who to start and will really highlight, I think if you heard any of my lineup pods from last year, will really highlight some of the picks that can really help you in your draft champions leagues. Batters that might be, um, that you may not be thinking of that might be a good start that weekend. We're going to really try to hit everything we can. So you'll get two of those lineup pods per week with a worksheet. You'll also be getting a, a starting pitcher review for every week as well. We'll look at the double start pitchers a week ahead of time and we'll go into if they should be started in 12 teams or 15 team leagues. So we'll be looking at the roster percentages of the 12 teams, the 15 team leagues, and we'll really try to highlight some of the non-obvious guys to start and whether it's a good play going forward for that week. We'll also try to be looking a week ahead, two weeks ahead, and see the starting pitcher that might be available in FAB or that might be available on your team, just so you can get a clearer picture of whether you should be holding these guys if they're a fringe, you know, bench Picture everything. We're going to factor in everything. We're going to be giving you the full scope of things to make your choices for starting, fabbing. So you'll get that two-star picture review, the two lineup pods. You'll get a daily pod as well, which will be about a 10 to 15-minute blast in the morning. That'll just be current information, news updates, odd bullpen usage from the day before, low-priced, low-owners, low-owned starting pitchers that shoved. Um, basically everything that we look for in the NFBC world to try to forecast for guys that'll be popping up in fab, you know, popular trendy guys. We're going to, everyone knows what Mookie Betts did the night before and Mike Trout, but we're going to try to really gear it towards finding the value and information for the lesser, uh, rostered players that we're going to be considering for fab that week, you know, so buzzworthy names, um, this is more just going to be like unearthing some, you know, 
of the lesser news that might be helpful for you in that upcoming week. So we're going to be looking to do that every day to give you a nice early pod, 10, 15 minutes in the morning. And I think it's going to be extremely valuable for your everyday listen. And I will try to as well add a streaming pod for a daily league. So if you're in a daily league and you want help uh, with some streamers, I'll try to hit some 12 team, you know, geared for 12 team leagues, a couple of bats a day, maybe nothing too long. Again, 10, 10 minute pod, just at a couple, couple of batters, maybe a pitcher. Um, I'm going to add that in for your pods that's available on the Patreon and we're going to really going to do a, a, a special cut line NFBC cut line pod. So they have two fab periods. We'll bring you a special fab just strictly for that format and how to attack those fab periods and just total accessibility to me during the week. Uh, we'll have a private discord. We'll be able to chat, go over Whatever you want. Um, also on the podcast, Draft Guide, we're going to have a Auction Keeper League special strategy-wise. Um, you know, there's several different Keeper League formats out there, so it's hard to really give, uh, you should keep this guy for $11 or versus $9, but we're going to give you the strategy behind it. Should you keep your high price studs? Should you keep more of the lower price fringy players? But... All the strategy, inflation values, how to deal with that, how to trade surplus, how to do three for one deals, just really how to maneuver the season in and out from start to finish in a keeper league. So if anyone's in a keeper league, you might find that beneficial for you. Um, we're just going to have so much stuff available during the week to really make your starting lineup choices, your fab choices a lot easier. Um, the prefab pod is going to be fantastic. I think a lot has gone, gone into the industry about who to pick up. We're going to have a highlighted section on who to drop. Maybe high-priced players you should be considering dropping. Just stuff like that. Thinking outside the box and giving you another thought, another element of decision-making. And to not only worrying about who to pick up, but maybe it's time to cut bait with a player. Or maybe it's not. Maybe it's um, some high-priced guys, high-owned high owned guys that are struggling, but that you shouldn't give up on. So we're going to really try to piece together the whole fab puzzle. Again, it's done well all across the board. I think we're going to give you a fresh, fresh view here um, that's not found elsewhere. So it's going to be so much more. I hope everyone will join. I hope everyone will support it because I think it's going to be fresh, unique, and all geared toward helping you be better fantasy players, process, 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 and keep getting good results. And I think it has a trickle-down effect. If you don't play the NFBC and you think this might not help you, I think it's going to help anybody who plays in any kind of league because the trickle-down effect on um, even the lineup pods. Looking looking at a four-day four pitcher, you may be able to glean some advice on who to stream three days ahead of time because of that's what's covered in the in the lineup pod. Um, yeah, as as I think of other interesting ways to help everyone get better, it's, I'm just gonna add it and um, into what I do. So, uh, 
once again, I hope everyone will come for the ride. I think it's going to be really, really awesome. We're going to build a super community that's uh, basically all about helping each other, right? You know, um, we're all going to help each other grow into better players. We're going to do it together, and um, it's going to be really awesome. So, again, you'll have access to some of the best players in the world, fantasy-wise, some of the best analysts in the world. It's going to be really cool. So, I hope everyone, hope everyone decides to... Uh, join up because I think it's going to be special. So sorry for that long introduction, but I wanted to get you the promo code. I wanted to give the update on what's going to be coming up in the future. And um, here's the show. Here's the NL East breakdown with Ryan Roof from Rotowire. Welcome to the Pull Hitter Podcast, your destination for actionable resources and tools to grind your way to ultimate fantasy baseball success this year. I'm Rob DiPietro, the Dead Pull Hitter. You can catch me on Twitter at Dead Pull Hitter, the podcast at Pull Hitter Pod. Also hosting, co-hosting the Launch Angle podcast as well. So make sure you find that if you're not listening to that show and catch us on Twitter at Launch Angle Pod as well. I'm here today with Ryan Roof. We're back together to start up our team division breakdown with the NL East. What's up, Ryan? How you doing today? Hey, man. Yeah, the the launch angle pod has been has been really good. You're doing such a great job with that. The last one, I I probably laughed more than I ever have uh, in listening to a podcast. It was so funny. Uh, Thanks, man. You guys, all three, of you do a great job. So kudos kudos to to you and Rob Silver and and Jeff Zimmerman for for bringing that back. Cause it's it's great stuff. Thanks, brother. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's um. Um, there's three different personalities, three different ways of looking at, you know, fantasy baseball and life in general, pretty much. So it's, it's great. I'm learning a lot from them, just hearing them break down a player, hearing them talk. And, um, it's fun. You know, I think that's the best thing about podcasting and just this fantasy net network in general is that we're all talking to each other. Um, you know, sharing our thoughts and our processes and helps us all get better along a way. I think when you shut yourself out to learning and listening to others is when you stop growing as a player and even just a person, right? And you always have to have your ears out and want to learn. So it's um it's been awesome. It's it's uh it's fun. Yeah. Show. Um we'll get into the NLEs today and um there's a lot to cover and spring training's around the corner. How you feel, man? Like, are you like, do you like where you are prep wise? Like, I'm getting to the point where, you know, I'm, I've been turning every leaf since October, and I, my brain still feels like sometimes I'm, I'm behind. You know, there's so much news yeah. that comes out, and as the news keeps coming out, I think what really hit me was um, a few of the injuries that that came out once spring everyone reported to, to spring training, like the Bautista injury was kind of rattling a little bit. Um, and that same bullpen, uh, Dylan Tate's going to be out for April. So, so that's really like pretty, pretty impactful news for, for that, that pen. Um, and just some others too, like guys you are relying on and that you've already drafted and you're like, Oh, 
shit, this guy's got side soreness already. And it's, oh, man. So Then you're trying to define side soreness. You're like, wait, so yeah. <laughs> what is side soreness? Right, and right. She, and the first thing I do is every every piece of news, I'm just bringing up my player shares percentage. I, I feel like, like yes, so much. Got four has... Brian Baker, baby. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I went immediately checked my Brian Baker shares uh, <laughs> once that Felix Batista news hit. But but yeah, I feel like so much has yet to happen. Like so much is going to happen over these next few weeks that it's like my draft season's actually winding down. Because um, like I said, I, I got a few more drafts left, uh, a few more draft and holds, um, which should be wrapped up in these next few weeks. And then um, doing uh, the main and the main event and the main event qualifier and in the, my first venture into the online auction championship. So those are, those are probably later next month um, after my wedding. So I feel like I'm, I'm taking a break at like, like a weird time. Like when all the news has yet to like fully uh, come out. So I'm a little nervous um, because I have like all these player shares of folks now and it's just like, all right, which dominoes are going to fall? Who am I going to lose for a couple months? Um, and am I going to get that draft itch over this next uh, in March? Um, Cause I'm already pretty, pretty maxed out. So uh, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I feel like, like these past few months of drafts have been like, kind of like all right i know who the guys i like i know who the guys i don't like but everything can completely change um and it all starts this weekend you know so uh it'll be an interesting spring to see what transpires i pulled up the draft champion that have um from the 16th to the 20th so i couldn't capture one in one day there wasn't a dc express but felix Batista. So two completed drafts since the 16th. He was picked 74th and 136. 136. Now, and Rob Silver brought this up on the Launch Angle podcast. He was talking about there's when when the slides come because of the news, the opportunity to possibly cash in on that, you know, becomes huge. If, you know, you're just thinking – and again, he has a knee and a shoulder. So like what he needs to land, I think it's his lead foot and then his arm. So definitely two, you know, um, things that you don't really want to hear, but there's also this opportunity, right? To grab a guy who's been firmly in the sixties, this whole right. draft season, you know, going, going lower. So this is the fun, really fun part of all the news. And yeah, there's some, there's some news that, it's news to us that haven't been news to baseball teams since November. And obviously we're all drafting and just, we wonder why, Hey, can we just get this piece of news? And I guess that's why a lot of people were worried about certain players that ended a season, maybe that got taken off the field injury. And there was no news on like Pete Fairbanks, right? Everyone was asking, yeah, but what about the news? The Rays haven't said anything. I said, the Rays don't say anything anyway, but um, it's, so many things that are now popping up and obviously it's the, it's, it's, it's such a negative side of drafting early, but it's also, you can fall into things when you didn't really know, like having Brian Baker shares or having shares of an outfielder that you say, Hey man, you know, I like the skills. And if he just gets just a little bit of playing time and maybe if like someone gets hurt now, 
those opportunities are arising. So, so it's the yin and yang of, of drafting early for sure. Yeah. I was just looking at the Redware news today and, and two guys who I'm pretty invested heavily in uh, Drew Waters and Miguel Vargas, both uh, yep. dealing with injuries. I'm like, damn it. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. I happen to have a couple of teams with Waters and Isbell on it um, because I kind of like both. Um, and I think both are going to get the opportunity regardless if Waters is um, hurt or not. Um, I think if he's healthy, they're both going to, should get adequate playing time. I think they're both worthy of getting their chance to, you know, um, show what they got, but definitely not, not fun news for sure. Cause I think I have a good amount of two Waters for sure, but Hey, what are you going to do? You know, I just hope, yeah. uh, I mean, seeing, seeing Liam Hendricks throw a bullpen or hearing about it. That's pretty yeah. awesome, man. I mean, that's it's just, cool. yeah, it's so cool. I think obviously everyone is super cheering for him to get through his cancer diagnosis. And it's just, you know, just knowing him himself, right. Can you imagine what that did for the team too, just to see it? Yeah, for sure. You know, for like, sure, it, right? but it, it's so it, like uplifting to see him there in camp, you know? Yeah. It got me all goosebumpy. I, just thinking about it, you know, like God bless him. And now he's doing it in front of the team. They, you got to be amped up for that. You know, if that doesn't get you up, then you're pretty much uh, soulless. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So let's get right into the um, Atlanta Braves. Yeah, um, let's get into it. Uh, we mentioned this on our last podcast, the AL West division preview, but they're, they're one of the two teams with 10 players in the top um, uh, 150 ADP. Um, so when we when we reference ADP here, it's it's from uh, in the draft champions format since February first, and first player up for the Braves. Um, and you guys on the Launch Angle podcast really dove deep into into Vaughn Grissom, uh, one seventy ADP since February first. Uh, I think you guys were spot on. I know um, Jeff uh, Erickson and Scott Jensen were talking about it on the Rotowire pod yesterday. Um, seems to be pretty, pretty polarizing. A lot of people are in, a lot of people are out. Um, but at this price, it's probably pretty risky for someone who's going to be likely at the bottom of the order. If he, you know, even breaks camp with the team. Um, so any thoughts on Grissom? Oh man. I have... <laughs> on the launch angle pod or <laughs> all the other. Yeah. Pods. So with Grissom, I, I think, you know, we've seen that the Braves want to be aggressive with their younger players and that they're giving them that rope to be good. And I think that's awesome. A to see that, you know, I'm always wondering if other teams are going to be as aggressive on that, trying to change my whole outlook on prospects, making an impact, you know, um, in the first half or second half. But right now where he's going in ADP at 170, I just can't do it. Um, I believe he has the skills to make a great roto player. Uh, it's just too much risk involved right here. Um, I know the lead beat writer for the athletic, James O'Brien, um, thinks there's a decent chance he starts in the minors. Decent chance, even if it's small. It's something that you want to remember when you're, you know, picking him at 170 in a fab league. You know, sure you can stream some guys in before maybe he comes up, but it's it's possible, right? If they're mentioning it, it's possible. He didn't start a game from September 25th to October 5th last year. He ended the season not playing. 
Um, I guess the good plus is like Elvis Andrews is out of the picture, right? So it's just he just right. got to battle Orlando Arcia, but there's still like Jose Iglesias who can be a stopgap, you know. Right. Um. So he he um he didn't have an O swing. He didn't have a chase rate under forty four percent on any non fastballs. So all the non fastballs he's chasing out of the zone. Bad discipline on that. Um. Also has a 15% swinging strike rate on the slider, the changeup, and the curve. That's what we're looking for in our elite pitchers, right? Like, mm-hmm. if a pitcher meets those those thresholds, we're like, buy, 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 if he's not in the top 40 already. So as a batter, to face those pitches and have that number, uh, you know, again, this is totally not saying he won't be good, but eventually a great roto player. Just right now, it's too aggressive of a number for me, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone listened to the Draft Champion podcast, uh, Zach Waxman, he had on a, uh, Chris Reed and Tanner Bell recently, and they talked about him as well. And they're talking about backing him up maybe with Arcia if you like him in a Draft Champion, the Draft and Hold. So that's an interesting thing I wasn't even thinking about. Um, so you can do that. Yeah. But 170 is huge. You know, it's also like I can wait if you want to go up the middle. Um, there's Estrada in that range, right? And then you can even wait a little bit. There's Jonathan India. There's Cattell Marte even later. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's my thing, like, with him. It's like, you know, Jeff McNeil, too, with Merrifield, like, you know, 20 picks later. It's like there's so many guys, other guys I like in, in that 170 range that I'm just never landing on Grissom here. Like now if he falls a little bit, like into the two hundreds, like I'd be willing to, to potentially give him a look like kind of in the, like if he fell to like the CJ Abrams range, two fifteen area, I'd, I'd think about it. But even then too, it's like, that's another range where it's like Luis Arias is there. We'll talk about him in a little bit. I, I much prefer him. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just a, a weird price. For, for him in this range and I don't I don't know if you if you compile everything he did between three levels last year high a double a and the majors was 19 homers 32 steals um, 85 RBI that's pretty tantalizing but um, you know he's got to be there defensively you know he's working with Ron Washington a lot's been said that you know Washington says he looks good at defense there um but there's just a lot that can go wrong and and you pointed out if if a guy who's really in tune with the team uh the team beat over there is saying there's a chance he could open in the minors that's just scary i don't want the defense thing too brian uh, um i just want to double down on the defense thing it's he he played shortstop for most of his minor league career right you know he's not like he's just trying this that's brand new i think we always have to look at the flip side of these things when obviously you know just because they want him to work with ron washington it doesn't mean like they have you must do this it's just an opportunity to get better in a limited time to speed up the process for him and i've heard even chris clegg talk about his his poor arm strength being mentioned as from second base like not really like what's the our second baseman's throwing as fast as they can because they don't have to. 
from second because it's a shorter throw. So just little things like that. You know, you really have to put together the pizza, the pie when you're hearing all the narrative on him, you know, and they're definitely all question marks, but it's just, I don't take this. I think it's a little too risky for the choices around us, you know? Yeah. And that was a good point on the minors Uh, in 96 games in the minors last year, 76 of them were at short. Yeah. Uh, Even played a little third too, but uh, yeah, Uh, we'll see. I'd like to, I, you know, he could be one of those like picks where it's like a massive reward for where he's going. It's just, yeah, I haven't landed on it much, and probably won't if the price stays at at one seventy. Right. I and honestly, if at the end of the year he's fifteen fifteen, I'm not shocked one bit. You know, yeah. we see that. You know, it's just I I can't do it at the price. Um, yeah. Mike yep. Soroka, you got to be written down at going about ADP three seventy nine. And Ian Anderson, I'll talk about them both. Ian Anderson at 486, Mike Soroka 379. What's your thoughts on these guys? I don't have many because I don't um I just haven't gone there. I think I think maybe throughout I mean, I've done probably 20 some drafts and I maybe have a share of each of them just in case, but it's there's nothing here that really like makes me super excited, even even at these these prices i just i'm not sure why soroka's even going 379 i would think he would be closer to kind of where ian anderson's going 486 um but you know i know soroka had that really nice season a couple years ago i just don't know if we can count on him returning to that level especially after just the, the serious injuries he's had um you know arm issues elbow Achilles issues. It's just, I don't know. I feel like a lot of those things can just affect your mechanics too. And I don't know. I'm I'm not really super on any of these guys. Yeah. I feel, I remember watching the game and Soroka got hurt, you know, playing the Met and he just, the way he went off the mound and he just felt like he was hit by a sniper bullet I really felt bad for him, man. He just, you could tell he was instantly in pain. Obviously, the way, you know, we don't want to see a pitcher get hurt either. Just not by him throwing or anything. It's just a freak injury. But the mound is dangerous, you know. I think we don't even realize that. (laughs) It's just, it's not, it's not something you can easily navigate around if you're like an average human being. So, um, but yeah, I'm just not going to be the guy to draft him either. I don't mind missing out on this either if he hits. But he had elbow soreness too in September. You're talking about maybe, you know, everything not working in sync. Um, and also too, he didn't throw so much. So now he has tight hammies already. Um, it's just, uh, I guess what people. It's so here's a- what people. Here's what leads people to draft Mike Aroka is um, his team first of all, right? The Atlanta Braves. Great, great offense. You're going to have a good chance that wins as long as you get into the fifth inning. Um, and the sparkling 286 ERA and 214 innings pitched. Um, as we all know, you can't chase ERA. Uh, his Sierra is 4.3. In the same time frame, the K minus walk is 13% with a 19% K rate, CSW 26%, zone contact 87%. So it's 3% below league average in the zone and he doesn't really make a lot of guys chase so how long can this stay sustainable and this is when he was healthy 
you know. So he just a minimize. He he's a guy who minimizes hard contact, and there's really obviously nothing wrong with that pitcher. That's a good profile of a pitcher. Um, that's part of your staff, right? Um, but just the combo of the profile and the injury, just I'm staying away. Um, the ADP feels like uh, it's a I guess a decent shot. You know, if you're just hoping everything falls in line, it's very risky. Uh, obviously, at some point, you have to take risk in your lineup. But the online championship ADP is 311, which that's a starting pitcher for your team pretty much. Um, So I guess that's the thing too. If he doesn't make the team, you dump him and it's an easy starting pitcher streamer. But I looked at the ADP in the online championship and at 311, I'm still taking, there's still a lot of guys that you can take that have a lot more upside for the season, I think. And just even not, not even upside, just stability for the season. At that pick, that's exactly so. what I was just gonna say. Like even at three, you know, seventy three seventy nine in the draft champions since since February first, it's there's still a ton of guys that in that range where I'm looking at that that could be like huge upside. And Soroka in particular is already a few days ago was being held out for for hamstring tightness. Now it doesn't sound like it's super serious or anything. He's expected to play catch soon, but it's just already starting. Uh, yep, it's already starting. And and Ian Anderson, again, mentioned he's going to pick 486. It's crazy, right? This guy has eight postseason starts with four wins, 40 Ks, and a 126 ERA. And he's 25 years old. And we're talking about him coming back from the minors and making himself into a different type of pitcher to have sustained success. It's crazy how life can hit you sometimes, you know? And he had a quote in the recent article in the athletic when he said i went down to gwinnett i was still kind of one foot here quote unquote in the majors and one foot there so it will it was tough for me to make some changes explaining that he was trying to go back to the majors thus reluctant to make major changes during the season he realized later on that he should have yeah good smart in the smart in the fuck up already you know (laughs) yeah okay sure and it's good at least he did eventually realize but you could have made it back if, you know, if you made it some adjustments, obviously. Um, you know, and now you hear the pitch lab thing. He's changing the arm slot, all this fun stuff that we love to hear in spring training. He's still got a 10 and a half career walk rate. Yeah. Doesn't get good chase. Doesn't get ahead of counts. 4.4 career Sierra. Sierra. Um, he definitely deserves this ADP, I think. But um, I have zero interest. It's yeah, not, not the kind not of, yeah. Any good. It's, yeah. Yeah, when, yep. when your key rate's not even like that much higher than your walk rate, it's Pass. not very attractive. So, nope. All right, All right Miami Marlins. Marlins. Um, post one fifty ADP. I have I have a ton of interest in in these guys. I think um, first guy we'll talk about Luis Arias comes over from the Twins via trade. Uh, he's my he's my most rostered player this year so far. Whoa. Um, yeah, it's just always. Uh, Whenever I get to this range uh, in the draft, ADP 211-ish, I'm looking at my teams. I kind of, you know, take that 50-foot view, take a step back, look at your team, and I'm always like, man, I just I need some average. And he's just always staring me right in the face. Um, him and Gene Segura at uh, 226. Um, so ton of interest in those guys. Garrett Cooper at ADP 428 stands out to me too a little bit. Um, obviously, injuries have kind of – wrecked his career thus far but 
uh, still some upside if he can ever stay healthy. But um, what are your thoughts on these three? Yeah, Luis Arias is um, a guy who last year was one of my m- most rostered players. Um, and this year, I'm just not – haven't been as aggressive on him. And it's not because I don't like him. It's just the way my builds have been going. I've been kind of prioritizing average earlier. Yeah. I've been more conscious of prioritizing average earlier because um, the thing about like Arias and McNeil, they're so good. But if you kind of, like I said, it's I'm prioritizing it earlier and like later on, I just don't really need the profile, even though having extra average isn't bad at all. It's just um, looking at different spots for power and speed at that, at that spot. And um, also, too, like, one of the things that used to happen for me a lot was I used to plan for getting a player like him, right? Or maybe a pick in the 10th round. Like, I'll be aggressive with this profile here, and I'll just try to snag a Louisa Rise or Michael Brantley, right? And obviously, Brantley goes a lot later. But sometimes I fell into the point where, I got to where I need to take him and him and McNeil are gone. Like then, then you have to pivot again. And not to say that one spot is going to change your lineup and your roster construction or your the, the stat that you're going to generate. But if you're building like that, it's a trap that you could fall into for sure. But um, Arias is one of the biggest improvers in Max EV from his previous high to last year. He went from 104.2 to 107.3. So three mile an hour bump. Uh, what I like is he's increasing his pull percentage every year. Last year it was 31.6%. Um, and the pulled ground balls are going down. It went down 9% last year and he hit um, 8% more pulled fly balls. So I really like that. The His OPS on pulled balls, all pulled balls, went from 855 to 1.013. Um so, and that's the thing I find out about Arise. Like, he makes such good contact. And you may not think that someone like him can obviously just add a whole bunch of power or uh, lift profile, but he makes enough contact and is so good with the bat that he can, A, put more balls in the air because of how many balls he's just hitting out in general, right? With a 96% contact rate, he's getting the balls out there. Um, but yeah, I mean... Um, his exit, his his EV on all pulled balls went from eighty seven to ninety, and exit velocity on pulled fly balls and line drive went up two miles an hour. So I really like what he's doing here, like in terms of like what you're saying, changing that profile to like get some more. And again, right, we're not saying oh, um, just gonna hit twenty plus homers, but I think everyone who thinks he's capped at eight is is kind of not looking deep enough. Or thinking on that overall scale, like I'm saying, with the ability to put so many balls in play, just little by little. Um, and also, too, I I look at the um, the bat paths on swinggraph.com, a vertical bat angle, and it was flatter last year by nearly two degrees, which, um, so like less uppercutty. Um, so kind of tells me a little bit from reading their book too, because when graphs have a book that talks about like how you can quantify 
the differences um, in the bat angles and what it does to backspin and how it affects, you know, ISO and, and metrics like that. But if you have too much of an uppercut swing and you get too much backspin and it comes a certain point in the air where the ball just is stagnant, right? It stops traveling forward and it just hangs. So now if he's getting less backspin, but, but squaring up more, may be able to push his balls out a little further. And it's kind of evident in the pulled distance numbers and the pulled exit velocity. So I really like it. I think that he's kind of the guy that can go, like if he hit 15 home runs this year, I wouldn't be super shocked. Yeah, that's so. That's, that's what I was going to say. Like he's 25 years old, like still really young. You mentioned Michael Brantley. I was looking at Brantley's like career when when he was like 25 going on to age 26. And that's really where he kind of had his best power years or some of his best power years. Um, Brantley was 25. He went from six home runs to 10 to 20 to 15. uh, The next like um, three years. And I feel like I almost feel like when when you're talking about hitters this good, right? like the Arias is the Brantleys. Like, I feel like you, like they could just, if they wanted to, like they could probably just hit 20 home runs. Like if they just decided to now going from, you know, Minnesota to um, Miami, you know, both, both parks really aren't, aren't that great for left-handed power, both in the bottom third of the, of the league for park factors uh, for home runs. But I just feel like, you know, he could still hit 300 and hit 20, 15, 20 home runs. Um, if, if he wanted to, like, no problem. I don't know. I just feel like hitters this good can just probably do whatever they want. Uh, yeah. That's just, but, so. but so he may be going into a park that's less friendly for his particular skill set if he wants to, um, you know, hit for power, a little more power. But for lefties, you know, for home run, this is just for last year um, on StatCast, for lefty home runs, you know, the Phillies are fourth. The Mets are 16th, and they're moving the right field in eight feet. So the park and and, and the Nationals are 11th. So right. the parks he's going to be playing against are also getting better, even though his home park may not be. So right. fair thing. I know they're playing less people. Well, they're playing less games in the division. It's like three more per team. So <laughs> right. Jesus Christ. But um, yeah, love lease arise. Gene DeGora going to pick 226. I don't know. Um, He's usually a guy I draft a ton of. There's, there's nothing bad to say here, but it's really nothing great, I guess. Um. Yeah. I just, again, I think I'll go back to, I'm just liking the other middle infield options more than him at the time. And, and, and I, it was also a couple after him that I really like in Hassan Kim and Luis, Luis Urias. And so I'm usually not landing on him. Yeah. I think both though, um, another part of their appeal for Reyes and Segura, um, multi-position eligibility, both going to be corner and, and middles. Um, obviously, Segura has only got second base eligibility now for NFBC, but expected to play third base for the Marlins. So, 
eventually we'll get that multi MPE. Um, so yep. I think, I think, you know, most of my drafts have been draft and hold. So that's, that's why I'm kind of leaning towards these guys pretty heavily thus far, but um, yeah. Garrett, Garrett Cooper for you? A little bit. Um, like he's okay. intriguing as like a, kind of like the, you know, just filler depth, but you know, it's just, it's hard too, just because like he's just so unreliable, like health wise. It's just always something going wrong with him. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, decent average. Uh, it's not really doesn't really have like the power that you would want from like a, a first baseman or corner. Mm-hmm. I guess you could say the same for Arias and Segura too. I mean, if you're not probably wanting to play them at your corner infield spot, um, so. But, you know, in it, this kind of late in the draft, uh, ADP 428, I mean, for average, I mean, if that's where you're lacking, I mean, that's Cooper, somebody I would look look at. Um, I think I have a type because I'm looking at my player shares now, like all like a lot of my player shares are like average guys, like the highest mm. player shares are <laughs> Arias, Yandy Diaz, Stephen Kwan are like three of my highest. Wow. Play. <laughs> you got burned like, last year on I average? I have a type. I have a type. No, I didn't. I well, did you read the FTN draft guide article by Steve Weimer that shows you how limited spot there is on actually trying to get an average impactor, which, you know, again, it's not just someone who has a good average, but gets enough plate appearances to like impact what they're going to do for your average, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Could be it. But I, I don't think the profile is horrible. It's decent. You know, he's got, I have to hit the ball on the ground too much. Spray the ton of line drives, which is also like fluky from year to year. You know, it's not as sticky as ground ball rate, but it it takes away a lot of his fly ball opportunities. He just doesn't lift it as much. Um, but per baseball HQ, he's averaged sixty five days per um, per year on the IL in the last six years. Um, he had that internal brace on his elbow last year, and then came back twenty twenty two more elbow problems than he went on the IL for a wrist, then a knee, then an intercostal, then a knee, then a wrist. <laughs> just, I don't know. Yeah, like I, I'm just opting for Carlos Santana, for Joey Votto, for Brian Anderson, for um, Luke Voigt. I'm, I'm just, I had, like, he, I guess it's just, it's just, bur- he burned me and I just can't, He's never available when I need him in a draft. Still got that taste in your mouth, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't dislike him, but um, you know, also so his distance on pole barrels went from three eighty, which was league average, to three fifty three last year. So I don't know. Um, and his pole home run to fly balls went down to twenty percent after being over fifty percent. So his his ability to lift and hit it far while pulling the ball. So maybe he just wasn't able to turn on those, just looking at all those injuries in a costal knee, the wrist, the internal brace. So I don't know if you give him a pass for all that, or that's just a sign of things to come. This is, could just be the guy he is now, you know? Yeah. So, but what are your yeah. thoughts on uh, Brian De La Cruz, ADP 237 since February 1st? He's, he's just one guy I continue to pass over and I, I don't have any shares and I just am wondering if that's a mistake. Um, I just have zero interest here. <laughs> so. I have interest, but there's limited interest. I think he's 
a guy when draft first started was more in the 280, 290, which was a little more palatable. Yeah. I just wish I knew the the PT was more certain. You know, they're talking about a a platoon with um, Jesus Sanchez. Right. Which yeah. is weird because he kind of has the old reverse split. Um, Brian De La Cruz, he hits uh, 805 OPS versus righty and a 506 versus lefty. So if the Marlins are looking at the analytics and determining that split, then they, I don't know, I don't know why they're looking at that. <laughs> um, it feels so. like this outfield is just weird. Like with Jazz in the outfield now, it's like okay, so I mean, we're gonna assume he's everyday center fielder if he's not like horrible defensively out there. So it's like you have Abisail Garcia, Brian De La Cruz, Jesus Sanchez, Birdie can play out there. Peyton Burdick, I mean, Garrett Cooper, possibly. It's it's just, I don't know, it seems crowded, even though it's yeah. none of these guys are like super amazing. Solaire. I guess part of the, uh, like, part of the playing time picture, too, you may be able to look at all that uncertainty and say there's no way Brian De La Cruz can't play. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like maybe Jazz goes back to the infield, maybe it doesn't work out in spring training. Who knows? Maybe, you know, given his health, Jazz doesn't make it through the whole season. So again, Taylor Cruz could play center. Um his second half last year was fantastic. He chased last. He was he was he, he was aggressive in the zone, 42% zone swing, minus O swing. That's pretty like five percent above league average and elite, like something gets out of territory of where your your pitch pitch recognition and swing decisions are really solid, you know, 126 WRC plus in the second half. Um, so the K's percentage went up, but the swing strike rate got better. So I don't know. He had Is a he... hot month. He like, did. It, yeah. It's like he was really good over the last like three weeks or last month of the season. He had a 388 average, 419 OBP, six homers, 22 RBIs from September 7th through October 5th. Prior to that, he had 206. And with a 250 OBP, um, I mean, his, his season OBP was 294. So I don't know. I just, I obviously, if he's can keep up that hot pace for more than a month, I mean, he's very appealing, but I just have not been able to click draft player on, on Brian De La Cruz at all. So, yeah, he, also in that run, well, during the second half, he had a 381 BABIP on less, um, on a 38% ground ball rate, which is less than league average ground ball rate. So, um, again, usually you'll find your BABIP will climb up if you're getting balls through on ground balls, you know, but he wasn't even hitting that many to begin with. So, um, he also had 17 barrels to seven homers in the second half. It's 41%. The league average is 58. So you can even say he got a little unlucky in the home run area. Um, but he was also hitting a home run every 22 plate appearances. That's like Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez. He, he, he's, it's, it's, he's polarizing to me because I think that he also did it in the end of 2021 where he ended the season really hot. So he's just had like that hill in the beginning of 2022 where – and I don't think they gave him long enough of a leash to start the season. I, th- I thought they yeah. sent him down kind of quick. Um, but he's interesting. He, he's a guy, obviously, over spring training. If roles get clearer and we see that he's going to be a full-time player, you know, he maybe becomes a little more palatable for you. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. What about Trevor, um, Trevor Rogers, ADP 253? Um, a lot of people talking about bounce back potentially. Yeah, I think the I, I think the path to being like a player, a pitcher who's going right now ADP 150 to 170, I don't think the path to their value is as murky as some may think, I think. You know, that makes sense. He's going 240, 253 right now. I feel like it wouldn't take him too much to get back to be on par with the pitchers going in that area, you know? Um right. I know Jeff Jeff Zimmerman has a PERA, which is just an ERA estimator based on the pitches he's throwing. It's 384 um with just the pitches, but you have the control aspect, it's 4.73. So definitely have to shore up that command. Um PitcherList has their new pitch metric called PLV. Shows the slider is fantastic, good changeup, but the four-seamer needs work. They have a metric actually that shows quality pitch, average pitch, and bad pitch. And then they have a Q minus B, which is quality pitch versus bad pitch. And I think it was 10% for his fastball. And that was just to have to improve. Like he has to make better pitches with his fastball. But he came back um, from back spasms in the second half and he was pretty good, you know. Um, he had he had a run of starts. Let's see, he had five five games started. His Sierra was three or four K percentage, twenty nine percent walk, six percent first pitch strike, sixty six percent. Threw a ball thirty three percent of the time, which is an increase over thirty seven percent that he showed in the first half. So it made his K rate go up. Um, and in zone contact went down a little bit, but maybe he was just pitching up a little more pitchability, not trying to be too cute, just putting the ball in the zone. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm i a little biased towards Rodgers because two, two years ago he was one of my, you know, big, you know, kind of ADP 500, 400 that I was grabbing a lot of right. for his big season. And I reaped, reaped the rewards of that. But, and, um, but I, I think it's in there, you know, I think it's in there to be, like I said, to get back into that range where he can be in the Chris Sale territory and Drew Rasmussen, you know? Yeah, get the K rate back up. Yeah, exactly. Like you look at kind of the range he's going in ADP, the other pitchers there. I mean, talking about Merrill Kelly and, you know, Hunter Brown, you know, question marks there, but upside, I mean, it, it seems to be, you know, uh, there's Eovaldi, Mikolas going like... Easy you know, with Mikolas, easy. Hey, I wasn't saying anything bad. I'm All saying right. that, that's the range, right? That's the <laughs> range. Barrios, you know, so I feel like Trevor yeah. Rogers can easily outperform a lot of these guys. Um, and I think last year he was just really, he really struggled against right-handed hitters, uh, whereas 2021 he was, mm-hmm. he was really, really good against right-handed bats. So, um I'm 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 excited to see him pitch the spring and see where he's at and um, definitely have some some interest here for sure. And it's funny because I think you threw out a lot of pitchers around there who are definitely a type like inning eaters type. You know, yep. Rogers doesn't fit that mold. He's kind of like the breakout, you know, upside guy in that range. You know, yep, for sure. Yep, yeah, yep. Um, Sticking with the Marlins, uh, quick hits here. Uh, Jorge Soler, ADP 275. I think we've talked about him enough on uh, 
your pull hitter podcast. Uh, he's he's a yes. favorite of yours. So. Yeah, why not? I mean, listen, the guy's injuries have always been there in his whole life. Last year, he had bilateral pelvis inflammation and lower back spasms. I'm not saying that the injuries will go away, but for where he's going right now and a power-starved fantasy environment, I think he's an easy smash. There's no, I think he's the only one in the outfield that does does not get any platoon. You know, he, and yeah. they showed that last year when he was playing, even playing hurt, he was still in the lineup all the time. So, well, if um, you remember, he was hitting leadoff too, like some occasionally. Mm, like if, yep. they, if they kind of toy with that again, he's he's really interesting to me. Um, he's a pull hitter too. He's a pull yeah, hitter. Pull he hitter. smashed the ball when he pulled it. And I, I'm just, you know, I'm in, I'm in with him. Um, Quickly, uh, before we move on to the next team, uh, Birdie, ADP no. 287, Garcia, no. Aversale, 325. No. Nick Fortes, 330. Yes. Yeah. Or Jesus Sanchez, 450. No. All right. Let's move on to the Mets. Brandon Nimmo. Ooh. Man, your favorite team. All right. Got some homerisms coming here from Rob D. Uh, Nimmo, ADP 176. Um, love what he offers. Uh, 673 plate appearances last year. They signed him to the big, big contract. Um, I just, I would love to see him get over 600 plate appearances again, but over the last three full seasons, he's averaged 438 plate appearances per season. So I think, I think you kind of have to Baking some regression on the the, the plate appearance side uh, projections, um, but other than that, I love what he offers. Um, it's just um, ADP one seventy six. It like it really depends on where you're at plate appearance wise with him. I think. Um, yeah, that probably makes sense. Where you think? I mean, he. I don't know, Mike. Even right now in my SGP sheet, even with an aggregated five hundred and twenty plate appearances, which is Ah, uh, sorry. Um, about six hundred and twenty-five plate appearances. He's just fifty less. Fine, you could assume maybe he's gonna miss more time. But I really just roll with the projections here. I don't make an adjustment downward. Um, I'll just use any type of evaluation with injuries, like of my own. You know, um, sometimes I'll adjust plate appearances upward if they're just missing a profile of like a rookie or someone who has a small sample and they just don't trust it. Um, but I mean, he's 29, Brandon Nimmo. Um, what the last three years, um, 18 and a half percent K rate, 12 and a half percent walk rate, um, 827 OPS. This guy's a machine. It's an athlete. Which I love, um, zone, zone minus O swing is 40%. It's money. He doesn't chase. He, understands what pitch is coming and he takes his pitch. Last year, he stole three bases in a 10-day span, kind of when they really needed it in September. They were kind of in a rut. They, It came out that they were really, you know, they were honest with telling him that not to run, just we need you healthy, you know? But I don't think you need the steals for him to be effective. He was sixth in runs last year in the MLB and 15th in plate appearances. So... I just think sometimes, I don't know, when a player just shows to me that like he was in peak physical shape, um, he, his explosiveness in the outfield was apparent. He just looked good. And like I won't really 
knock him down too much for being quote unquote injury prone, you know? Um, yeah. I worry about that because I think like in a fab league, he's a pretty much in a 12 team or a 15 team league. You're probably starting him most weeks that he's, that he's in there, you know? Um, yeah. So I think, I think his only concern is literally just the injuries. Like that's it. Yeah. Like, you love what he offers when he's healthy and like everything is, is great. So, um, and, and for those who haven't listened to the, the launch angle, the latest launch angle, um, uh, Rob and, and Rob and Jeff talked about Nimmo uh, on that podcast. So check that out when you can. Uh, next player um, just took him as in a 50 uh, draft and hold as my ninth pitcher, ADP 192, Kodai Senga. Um, you know, we've been pretty vocal about uh, the Mets uh, kind of replacing uh, Bassett and adding him. But um, I feel like with Senga, I took him on a team where I already had some some risky starters, at least from a health perspective, and in Luis Severino, Chris Sale, and he was kind of like a like a FOMO pick for me. It was already like, all right, he's going to be my ninth pitcher on this team. Um, I went pretty pretty pitch, pretty pitching heavy, um, but I think I did that because of the Severino and Sale injury risk. So I was just like, you know what? I think this is kind of the perfect team to kind of take a gamble on him so i already have some risk here um have you have you drafted singa i have not no met homerism here i don't know what i'm getting i yeah i can go off comps i had lance brodowski on my show last week he was he's awesome if you want to learn more about baseball check that episode out but he has a great video on singa on his youtube page and it's a 10 minute video showing his pitches, showing the, you know, the stuff metrics on it. And it's it clear that he can be impact pitcher, but I don't know. He's never fit my, my build, you know? Um, I think I kind of rather go back a couple of spots and roll with, a, you know, uh, Reed Detmers. Yeah. Um, you know, that's just probably my play. With John pitchers Gray, in this Grayson area, Rodriguez in this in this territory, Heaney, who we talked about last last week, as just yeah, a, yeah, yeah. So you said he's your ninth pitcher on um. So the NFPC fifties, which is a a twelve team draft and old, right? So so fifty yeah. round picks. How many um starting pitchers are you usually pick, picking in the fifties, Ryan? Um, the starters. Uh, usually this one I'll probably end up with more just because I have you know, some of that risk already and Senga himself is a risk. So I'll probably try to get, um, at, at least, let's see. I usually try to end up in the 23 pitcher range in mm. draft and holds as that's like my sweet spot is 23 pitchers. And I usually, um, it depends on like the strength of my closers. Um, in this one, I have Devin Williams and Fairbanks so far. Um, and I'll probably try to end up in like the six reliever range, uh, as long as I have ones I like early. Um, so I'll probably try to get 16, 17 starters. Um, and that approach doesn't really, again, it, it may change like one or two spots depending on, you know, the strength of the starter strength of the relievers, but, um, that's, that's where I like to land. Usually 23 is like. 
is where I like to land on a draft champion, even though I think I've only landed there two or three times out of 10 teams. Mm -hmm. I'm coming up short a lot. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, I'm coming up short a lot with Ross doing that many pitchers. I just, I don't know. There's a lot more I like late with, and maybe that just stems from my approach earlier. I'm taking a lot of pitching earlier. Yeah. So maybe I think I just feel comfortable with rostering less of them later on. Um, yeah. I don't mind ending the draft with five or six uh, spec picks and I, I've been okay with drafting less starters on some yeah. case in some instances where in DCs a, I, I am yeah, yeah yeah there's yeah. a point yeah there's a point where in the draft champions where it's not even worth to take the starter that's available just to right. say I need a guy who can go length it's not even worth it just take a bullpen arm yeah take 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 Hector um, yep take henches on, on the Indians, you know, like all yep. day over a dud starter, you know? Um, For sure. So, okay. I was, was I was just wondering, cause that split I've been, been, um, I love again, I've been, henches, I've so. been really aggressive early with trying to get maybe, you know, five pitchers overall um, by pick 175. Um, sometimes six, if I get the closer in there. So, yeah, I went I went early pitching in this one, yeah. um, in this twelve. Um, so definitely uh heavier, yeah, as as my ninth pitcher. Mm -hmm. Uh definitely went heavy on the pitching in this particular uh fifty. But uh all right, let's move on. Uh same range, Jeff McNeil, one ninety one, second base outfield eligible. Um just very similar. I think uh Luis Araya is just just stud hitter. Um and you're the Mets fan. You know more about McNeil than I, than I do. Anything else we should be uh, thinking about when we're looking at McNeil and in our cues? He's got more holes now, right? To to get hits from. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, I mean, I can't see. I can't wait to see what he does. Like they adjusted, they've adjusted the the defense against him so many times, and there's no one better at punching a ball the opposite field. And you know, there's a thing about not taking your best swings if you go opposite field, especially if you're not really good at it, but you're trying to, you're essentially giving yourself so much less of a chance to get a hit than when you take a normal swing. Like you're wasting a swing. Um, but with McNeil, there's, there's no such thing, you know? Um, even his weak contact opposite field shots are just placed so perfectly. He has such a, such a skill with the bat, man. I just love watching him at the plate. Got that new he, crazy knob bat, and he chokes up, and he's just. Oh, where man, does he, he hit? As I know, he kind of like fluctuates um, a little bit towards the end of last season. He was hitting third a lot. Um, would move kind of up or down, to, mostly down against left-handed starters. Where do you think he settles? And do you think it's kind of like dependent on on the pitching split where he where he slots in the lineup? Um, it's. I can't wait to see what they roll out. I'm not really sure what um what they you know what they're thinking is there's, there's a chance for you know I think Marte is the wild card here too. I think him yeah. and McNeil can be flip flopped in various points of right. the lineup. Um, if they want, like they went McNeil a lot at up at two in the later later point of the year, and I think he kind of fits that. 
old school Derek Jeter, you know, I put the bat on the ball, do whatever you got to do to bat second um, kind of batter. Um, and I like him there. Then that also allows to make Marte kind of the second table setter in the middle of the lineup if he bats fifth or sixth, you know? Right, right. So he can get on steel and, um, you know, there's actually some good research on, on Fangraphs. Jeff Zimmerman wrote an article about where you get your steel to what point of the lineup. And the sixth spot in the lineup is like a sneaky spot um, where stolen base output is found. Um, so I don't know. Like, I think ideally my brain also tells me that they could move everyone up if they feel like they, they can move from door to second, you know, and Alonzo to third. But I think they kind of like Lindor three and Alonzo fourth. I think that's kind of the best way to set it up and being able to yeah. flip-flop McNeil and Marte probably based on handedness or how well they're playing. Um, but either way, I think he, you know, because then he's in the spot for good good run production, batting right. guys in front of him, and then he's also in a spot to get driven in a lot. So Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, if he's in kind of like, you know, the fifth, sixth spot, I mean, it's, I mean, could be looking at 75, 80 RBIs. Um, from McNeil, he's just he's just so good. It's just such a solid hitter. I mean, it just this Mets top half of the lineup is just sick. Just yeah, kind of yeah. envious. <laughs> yeah, Anyways, yeah. Um, the um, and the projections all range from like two seventy four to two eighty eight. Most of them have them for like two eighty eight average. The bat X is the lowest on it, probably because you know that I think Derek Carter uses a little bit more of the stat cast stuff than. Um, the other projection systems, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but um, I think yeah. that uh, that's probably why that's a little lowest there. But he's a good, he's a good stick, man. He's just he's he's so good. Let's move on to Francisco Alvarez, pick three forty. I noticed uh, he's moved up a bit in February, um, but does he get enough run this season to justify that pick at at three forty? Because I know they signed. Uh, Omar Narvaez, who's going around pick 402. They extended uh, Tomas Nito. Alvarez had the right ankle surgery in October. Seems to have the most fantasy upside of that trio, but um, I don't know. It seems kind of early to me. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to work off this ADP. Okay. I think, um, honestly, think I... Yeah, I don't think it's a good pick at this ADP. I haven't been a fan of the ADP since it started because I like the skill set. Don't get me wrong. It's just there's a this is a win now team that need that has veteran pitchers that he needs to be able to work with. And now obviously you could say, well, he should be able to work with them to get better, right? But I think if he was at a point ready, they 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 would have no no hesitation to do it you know so i think they've showed their hands they've said that they're not gonna start him you know yeah. he's gonna start in the minors and i think it's the right move honestly he hasn't had a lot of exposure to upper levels of minors not that he may not need it but catching wise calling a game wise he's probably going to need it to work with justin verlander and max scherzer um right now, if there's a point where the DH situation gets a little risky, then maybe he gets more looks. But they've they've said internally and publicly that that they want he they want to see him 
catching and making his impact behind the plate and not at the age. So, you know, they have Vogelbach who will probably flip-flop with, you know, Darren Ruff or Tommy Pham. Me personally, I know Ruff was really bad last year when the Mets got him um, and people are calling for his head. And I think that we all know what it takes to, you know, um, what these players, well, we don't know, but they experience so much when they just got to pick up and go, right? Um, yep. I think we kind of take it for granted. Um, when we actually like think about it ourselves, like what if you got displaced? You know, what would you do? How would you react? You know, everyone has their own anxieties, their own comfort levels with things. So I think that not to say that that's all why he was bad, when they got him, but I think that people are expecting him to be bad again. And then in essence, that it's all Alvarez's, you know, I just would hedge on not, I guess I'm just not that risk taker, you know, like there's Christian Bethancourt being taken around him. There's Nick Fortes, like you mentioned, and then I'll wait 120 picks and take a Ryan Jeffers. Yep. Uh, Mitch Garver is going up like 80 picks later. I know he's not going to start off with catcher eligibility, but I I've don't know. I've been grabbing Garver a lot in my recent drafts too. Yeah. And, and it's not to say that Alvarez is going to be a bad player. It's just, I don't think he's going to return the value on that pick. Um, but yeah. The probability right. that he does is low, I think. All right. Quickly, Eduardo Escobar, ADP 352. I really like him as kind of a backup corner, backup third baseman at this range. I just I just think he's just I think he's underrated to be honest. I mean he's, he's just so solid. It's twenty I think twenty home runs. Let's see. Two, three, four, five, five of the last six full six full seasons. Like or five of the last five full seasons. I mean it's just what more can you ask for? Like solid. I just think he's just a solid target here for third base yeah i think i think he really is in this range you can get a guy you, you know he's just going to bring some power to the table um yep. so last year um it just came out you could tell like a lot of the players were saying some things about him last year like we'll give him his space and such and such we didn't really know what was happening um but you could see too he didn't look as happy playing. He was always like a big smiley guy. And in spring training this year, he's all smiles. He said that he had a personal issue all year long. He resolved it in late August. And then you look at it again, it's easy to follow these narratives and say, Oh yeah, that's easy. But at the same time, it's, it, it, it's real talk, right? So he admitted that he wasn't mentally there at times and that he resolved it in late August In September. He had eight homers. Yeah. 13 of 17. Yeah. Yeah. 13 of his 35 barrels came from August 31st on 42 and a half hard hit percentage versus 37 and a half struck out way less walked more. And, you know, it's, it's, I love Beatty. Don't get me wrong. I think he's going to be a fantastic baseball player. And I know the prospect guys are just clamoring for him and, you know, oh, but the stack cast, bro, and I love it. I said, no, I'm not shitting on Brett Beatty. I love him. I can't wait to see what he can give to our team. Maybe this year, maybe as a, you know, floating around, giving some days off. Because, uh, you know, Escobar has 
not heavy splits. He's got decent splits versus both bats, but he crushes, crushes lefties, you know? So, so yeah. but Brett Beatty, you know, so Zips has him, you know, the other protection sets only have him for 173, 192 plate appearances, 200. Zips, you know, shows that he's 484 with eight with 19 homers, 253 average, 68 runs, 69 ribbies. This is Brett Beatty. And you'll say, oh, shit. It's fucking great, right? Well, too bad that's what Eduardo Escobar has been averaging for the last five years. <laughs> yeah, And it's yeah. also what he projected to do right through all the projection systems. So I think that it's fine to like Beatty and to want to see what he can do. But again, this is a guy here, Escobar, who was dealing with something, showed what he could do when he's again. And, and, and he's just a perfect fit on this team. There were times where he was just the main cog in the lineup. Like when he was with the diamondbacks, he, he doesn't have to be that guy. He just got to play a yep. good third. And, um, yeah, I like him in this spot. Like he was I think he's a reliable power source in this yeah. range of the draft, like ADP 352. Like there's Brandon Bell, but there's health questions there. Like a lot of these guys around this range are like light hitters. Like I'm looking at Joey Wendell and Michael Brantley and you know, uh you know, Harold Ramirez, like Elvis Andrews, like a lot of light hitting guys. Like if you really I mean, I think just just perfect target for power and one of the main reasons why i don't freak out if i don't get an early third baseman you know similar with justin turner yandy do diaz who we've talked about extensively i mean he's one of the guys i'm definitely targeting here so yeah he, he was my one of my favorite picks in gladiator leagues this year if anyone uh, doesn't know what gladiator format was on the nfbc um they ran out of their max entries and I don't know if they're going to bring it back this year, but it's a 23-man draft. Um, so basically, you're drafting your starters for your team, and it's the accumulation of all the stats. So it's the best ball for Roto, but there's no bench. So you're not taking the best of anything. It's just taking all you have. And he was um, one of my last-round pick pretty much a lot because it was just – I felt like an easy – 20 homers and 450 plate appearance type of player. So for sure. Yep. All right, let's move on to the Washington nationals. Uh, no one from this team going in the top 150 of ADP. First guy coming off the board on average is Kybert Ruiz, ADP 190. Uh, power faded last year, went from 24 homers across three levels in 2021 to just seven last year. Uh, still had the respectable batting average, 251. Contact skills were incredible. Only struck out 11 and a half percent of the time. Um, going 60 picks ahead of Gabriel Marino on average by ADP. I think uh, I think that's appropriate. I think Ruiz has more power upside, safer bet for consistent playing time. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. 190 seems a little bit early. Uh, I haven't taken him yet, but I'd like to take a shot or two because I think he's a safe, relatively safe catcher too with upside because um, – you know, it's just such a good hitter in the minors. Like, again, didn't strike out a ton at the major league level. And I think he's got, like, you know, that power still in him, you know, somewhere. Uh, so what do you like about Kabert Ruiz or dislike? I like it here. I have several shares 
of Ruiz. Again, this is through uh, draft champions and gladiators. Um, catcher one or two? Would you mostly, be okay with them as your one? Mostly as catcher two. I might be catcher one on one team, but I I, I don't think so because I don't. Actually, yeah, he is. Actually, just checked. He is catcher one on one team. Um, Got it. Yeah, I don't mind because there's not. Uh, Listen, and this is coming from I had him last year on a couple teams, and he destroyed me. <laughs> he was yeah. just, he was so frustrating because I remember I, dropping him in OCs, like yeah, just because yeah. he wasn't doing much, like yeah, yeah. And, and that's funny because that's in an online championship. He it just comes to the point, you know, where you thinking that he's gonna outpoint and outstat everybody that's on the wire until you. Until you kind of look at the production and he's like, man, this guy hasn't been giving me anything. And yeah. realizing that you can get more, um, you know, from that side. Uh, but I like it. He He's, a, again, he's, he's a bull hitter. Um, 49% of his balls were pulled last year. He faced some sort of a shift, either the strategic shift or uh, the regular shift, 70% of the time. So... We could see, given his batted ball qualities, uh, ground balls, pull percentage, and how hard he hits it, we could see maybe an uptick in Babbitt by 10, 15 points. You know, if he takes it from 270 to 295, now you're talking probably about a 270 hitter, not a 250 hitter, you know? Yeah. Um, so I like that. I, I think that's a plus for him. Again, like you mentioned, he struck out 11.5% of the time. That's it. Um, he won't... I think at his I think at his softest projection, uh, let's just say 12 homers, 255. I think that... I think I'll go with... If it's 12 homers and 275, I'll take it. At, you know, at, for catchers, it gets risky, you know? It yep. gets risky and the profiles get worse. The K percentages go up. Um, you know, it, it starts looking uglier and uglier. And I don't think he hurts you to roster at all. So I'm a I'm a fan of Ruiz. I'll I'll definitely I'm not I'm not hesitant on on clicking his name. What about Joey Manessas, ADP two oh two on average? Um, I think an easy comparison with him is we, we think back to Adolis Garcia who couple years ago at his first full big league season with the Rangers and, and, you know, was a big question mark the next year. He was able to maintain that level of success in year two. What do you think the chances of Manessis doing the same um, after debuting last year as a 30 year old? Man, he's again, he's kind of polarizing as well because the, the, the projection systems, you know, really like him. Uh, the bad exit, the, Probably the weakest on him, um, but I remember that was one he, of the first things we talked about, like on podcasts this off yeah. season. Was uh, when the projections were released. It was Manessa's twenty nine homers, and everyone was like, "What?" Yeah, right. He he had a really high um, home run to barrel rate. It was thirteen home runs to seventeen barrels, and the league the league average is like fifty six percent. So that's he kind of like was a little lucky there. Not lucky, but overperformed. Um, I mean, the zone contact rate is solid. Uh, he reaches a little bit above league average, but nothing terrible. 
Um, 111 max EV is really good. Power rate's good. I mean, I think, I think, I think he's only going this far obviously because he's 30 and people are questioning, you know, whether it's real or not, but he hit really, really well in the minors, you know? Um, I guess, uh, you know, being being fifteen percent better than AAA isn't wowing. You kind of probably want to be like forty, fifty to really be projected to be an impact player on the next level, especially for his age. But I think he's definitely better than Schwindel. When people make that comparison, that he's like Frank Schwindel, but I think the profile is a lot better. Um, and I don't know. It's like. <laughs> it's really it's so hard to tell with him. I I don't have any of him. It just I don't either. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm thinking about it. Like I don't dislike it. You know. Um. Again, I just again a 371 Babbitt um, on 44 percent ground ball. That's that's interesting. He's hit the ball pretty decently hard. It's not that fast. I just I mean, the last month of the season he had 318. Seven homers, 23 rubies. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, man. It's just, that's pretty good. <laughs> no, it's pretty good. It's pretty, it's actually, it's absolutely good. And um, I just, um, I guess my, the probability that I think he's going to keep it up is a, a little lower and I'm less confident in his ability than, again, some of the guys going in front of him. You know, uh, Josh Bell is, what, 30, 25 picks ahead of him, if, you know, He's shown yeah. more of a track record to be probably what Manessis will be at his peak, but I don't know. Right. He he could he could totally take the world by storm again, and if he does, I mean, I would love it. I would love every little bit of it. I mean, um, Adolis is going what around four or five this year. I mean, we could be seeing Joey Manessis uh, around four twenty 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 four, baby. Wow, I mean, if you if you believe in that, then you. <laughs> You got to get on some prop bets this year for sure. Uh, let's move on to the the two centerpieces of the Juan Soto trade: CJ Abrams two fifteen ADP and Mackenzie Gore three seventy two. What are your thoughts? Do you like these guys to break out? I mean, there seems to be opportunity for playing time for them. What Nationals are going to be terrible? I'll take no a shot with not both. to play them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'll take a shot with both. Um, I think. You know, CJ Abrams is super young, right? Yeah. And this guy came up with, um, let's see, with in 2019, gets 156 plate appearances, and then, um, and that's at the rookie level. Then at single A, he gets nine. And then two years later, because of the 2020 disaster that whatever COVID was, um, 183 plate appearances in double A in 2021. I think he came back from a fractured tibula, um, tibia. And in 2022, last year, he played in triple A for 151 plate appearances. So now he's 21 years old with less than 500 plate appearances in the minors. And he comes up and everyone's like, ah, eh, he doesn't impress me. <laughs> and it's just. Obviously, he didn't impress you because he's still a young guy who I think gotten a lot of reps in yet, you know. But right, 
the one thing he's got blazing speed is a super athlete he's not a bag of shit he's really in the community a lot which i love yeah and i'll move a person up for being extra good person um but i just think the i think i like his aggressiveness i think if he just starts reaching a little less um and but still attacking that zone Maxi V of one oh nine six. He's got he's got the raw power in there that can be unleashed. And this is the kind of player who's gonna lead off on a bad team, I think, with plenty of rope and plenty of leash and plenty of chances to get on base. And I know people say, Oh, it's a two eighty OBP is uh that's not a good chance to get on base. Well, fine again, it's again in, in the minors in a short three sixty three OBP, three sixty four. Uh, you know, again, I'll take the chances that he can take some next steps forward. And if there's anybody who can out steal their projection steals by 10, 15, it's him. It's what's he, he, sure. he's, he's being projected for 15 steals by the uh, bat, eight, 17 by ATC, 18 by steamer. Um, I think that's low. You know, honestly, I do. I I think that if he gets a fair enough chances to to run, he's he's gonna do it. So if if he gets to thirty steals, I'm not shocked one bit. Yeah, it's a small sample, but um, over the last couple of weeks of the of last season, they moved him up to the two hold, see what he could do, and he hit three sixty four um, with four steals in twelve games. Uh, out of the two hole so again very small sample but several multi-hit performances in that stretch you know they moved him up um, and showed the willingness to run so uh, it'll be how good is he defensively because he also had one, two, three, four, five errors um, in that 12 game stretch <laughs> yeah so um, but yeah I completely agree uh, I think uh, I think the projections are low on his uh stolen base upside for sure um yeah I and think, what about um, gore you like gore i do like gore i'll take a shot at gore too at this price 372 um i think he's shown enough glimpses to me personally that with some repeated time pitching and repeated delivery and attack plan that he can totally be um an effective pitcher in this range. Um, obviously, again, we'll talk about wins. This is not a team that you're going to chase wins for. He probably doesn't have the, the best ability to go deep to make sure you get the wins either on a consistent basis. But And a projected WRC plus of this team isn't, isn't really good. So, But you don't have to get wins from every pitcher, right? <laughs> some some Some... Guys that you roster need to be upside, uh, risky, with the ability of that ceiling to you know do better. And I think that he has it for sure. Um, I'm willing to take a chance. I think on this, on this ADP that you can come away with a pitcher that might give you, I don't know, a plus hundred pick value. You know, um, yeah. mm -hmm. it seems like. It seems like the slider is the one pitch that he has to make a little better. Um, I do like the curve. I think the curve is nasty. It gets pretty. It gets you know good grade metrics on most of the pitch modeling sites. Um, 
And his fastball, I think, is like average right now. And if he could just make it just a little better, you know, he's got that VAA, it's pretty solid. Um, so, again, I think with enough reps and enough time, Gore can take that next step. He's definitely not a pitcher I don't mind um, taking a shot with. All right, next up, 272 uh, pick on average, Lane Thomas, known for his platoon success against left-handed pitching. Uh, since 2020, hits 280, 822 OPS versus left-handed pitching. Uh, last year, um, from September 1st onward, he played in every game but one and led off in all of them. But so from from that point of view, it's like intriguing, right? Um, you know, maybe they're thinking about their 2023 lineup. You know, Thomas is leading off, Abrams in the two-hole potentially. Um, but with a career 314 OBP, I worry about the leadoff uh, possibilities potentially sticking. Um I, I do I do have a lot of Lane Thomas um, as like uh, an outfielder five. Um, think he's got some power, some speed, um, and of course if he's got a lefty lefty heavy week, he's he's definitely in there for you. But um, you have any additional thoughts on Thomas at, at this ADP? I think he's a good shot at this ADP. I mean, um, and he is plenty of time at the leadoff spot. He ended the season with seventeen homers and eight steals. That's a really good profile for our fantasy game, our this rotisserie category game that we play. And, I mean, who's going to take the time away from him? Right. Like Alex Call, um, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> Stone <Dickinson>. Garrett, <laughs> Travis Blankenhorn. I don't think so, you know. Um, <laughs> Jeter Dowdy, maybe. Sorry, everybody um, who's a national fan or who's, you know, Don, I, I just don't see a threat to PT here. Fine, if you want to take a stab at the threat to leading off because maybe Abrams leads off, okay, I can see that. But then I think I'd rather see that. At, at that point, though, like, I don't think he drops. I think maybe he right, just right. goes into the second spot. Uh, Luis Garcia is maybe has the best chance to move into that two spot unless Manessa's bat second and they move everyone up. I mean, Dominic Smith, what a bunch of duds. Yeah, this team is pretty bad. It's, it's pretty bad, but I think Lane Thomas is one of the lone bright spots <laughs> for no, this he offense. Is. He is, he is. I don't um, So yeah, I, think I think there's some appeal here. Yep, playing time is secure. The profile is, I think, good enough. He hits the ball hard, runs fast. Um doesn't really kill you anywhere. Two forty one average. That's not too bad. You could you could you could fit that into your team. Yeah. All right. Uh, last thing on the Nationals before we move on to the Phillies. Let's talk closers. Um, love these guys at their ADP. Kyle Finnegan two twenty five. Hunter Harvey four ninety two. Harvey is creeping up over the last month. Uh, he's jumped about twenty spots on average compared to uh, where he was going in January. I think a lot more people are talking about him as we get into the thick of, uh, you know, podcasting and, and draft season. Uh, biggest thing with him, obviously, is health. Uh, injuries have just wrecked his career, but uh, he's he's got the potential for 
you know, 10, 15 saves, possibly if he is able to overtake Kyle Finnegan. And, and I like Finnegan too. I think he's the guy to start the year um, for the nationals. And um, I don't know, there's, there's another guy going pretty late. His name is Zach Brixey, uh, B-R-Z-Y-K-C-Y. Uh, Brixey is how you pronounce it. Um, he's only pitched an inning and two thirds above double A, but struck out 95 over 61 and a third last season. Um, had a 176 ERA, 101 whip, eight wins and 14 saves in the minors. So one oh. guy to keep an eye on late uh, ADP 726 uh, for the Nationals, just as a high upside arm who, you know, doesn't have too much competition for potentially moving up that leverage ladder in Washington. Yeah, I have um have a couple of Finnegans. I like it. Um I don't think get good good slider, good sinker. Um I think he's definitely on a path to start the season with it and keep the job. So I think as long as he wants to keep it. I think Hunter yeah. Harvey is is yeah, I mean I have I have a bunch of Hunter Harveys. Uh, the team I took Finnegan's, I think I backed him up on Hunter Harvey, you know, but not because I think that's an automatic thing to do. But on those teams, Finnegan was kind of my. Um, so when I get a good closer up top, like Josh Hader or Classe Diaz, those type of guys, or even the next bunch of the Romano Helsley range. If I'm getting any one of those guys, I'm not going back into the saves pool until later on. Same. Yep. But when I end up with a uh, maybe Fairbanks or a clerk or, you know, that kind of guy as my first one, if I'm kind of not punting saves, but just going more of the speculative route on teams. Um, Cause I'll do that on teams. Like uh, the year I won the overall, I, that's what I did. I, I speculated late. I just wanted to win my league. I think you can, that's a, a good approach too. Nothing has to be, you know, like about the overall. Just if you want to beat your league, you don't, you know, you can get a decent, you can come in eighth or ninth and saves and still be great everywhere else and you win the league, you know? Yeah. Um, so the, the team to have Finnegan on is when I attacked more like of that spread them out later on type of thing. Um, and I do have a Brixie as well. So. And I think go. that I think I think I think I have him on the same team as I have a Harvey. So I took two shots at the national bullpen late. Again, this is you know, Brooksy you probably get him the last two or three rounds right now. So yeah, at that point you're just taking a shot of speculative arms that might get some saves for you. So I think each of them has a a a good case to be rostered for sure. Yeah, I agree, and I think it's pretty clear. Like we know the Nationals probably aren't going to win a ton of games. They'll probably be low um one of the lowest teams in terms of number of total saves next season but um i think from just to just leverage wise it's i think it's very clear to me finnegan harvey potentially brixey like i don't think there's really anyone else that's like a threat to like get saves maybe alex calame if they decide to go that route but he may you know they may just cut him after spring who knows yeah. Um, yeah. And like, I don't know why there's been so much pushback toward Finnegan. Um, I mean, last year, through 66 innings with 70 Ks, 
uh, what a three five ERA. Um, K minus walk with eighteen percent. The swinging strike rate twelve and a half percent. Three point one six Sierra. It's a good pitcher right here. Twenty six percent K rate to eight percent walk rate. People say he let too many guys on. He dropped that walk rate from eleven six to eight two. Raised the K rate from twenty three to twenty six. Had a velo last year, about a mile and a half on a sinker. Um, zone, throws a sinker a ton, like eighty percent of the time. Uh, zone so. contact went from eighty four percent to seventy nine percent, so it dropped that five percent. It's just, I don't know why there's not like it's as a because as it's a, the Nationals. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, but there's saves to be had on 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 teams, you know. Every um, team, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, they, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think, I think he should be, honestly, if I had the choice straight up, like him or Daniel Bard, I'm probably taking him. That's just yeah. my opinion. I just think there's a lot more risk involved with Bard that people are not really catching, but, um, yeah, Kyle Finnegan all day. All right. Let's, uh, wrap this up quick, uh, 10 minutes on the Phillies. Um, I got to run out and grab my son after this. Oh, Bryce yeah. Harper, ADP Please. 185. Um, where are you at plate appearance wise for him? Uh, do you think like this is a good range for Harper or do you think this is way too early? Oh man. It's sometimes I tell myself a couple of different tales and they, they lie on both sides of the, of the spectrum. I would probably lean 300 plate appearances, 275. Um, and if that's the case, maybe you get 12 homers. Right. It's not terrible. It's guys who hit 12 homers that are going in the top. You know. I mean, I'm one. taking Luis Arias like 30 picks later, and he's yeah. probably going to hit 12 homers. So. You know, um, <laughs> I mean – Let's just see real quick. He's I just want to see where he is on my let's see on my SGP sheet. I have him. He is the overall ranked two hundredth player. And that's with actually that's a little aggressive because that's just taking the aggregate of the plate appearances of the um of the bat, steamer, um baseball HQ. I have a whole bunch of different ones in my aggregator. So and they're they're a little more up 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 homistic than my two seventy five. So they're around like three three twenty ish. So um but it, it, you know in a in a you know in a fab league you obviously have to play that game, right? You know, like how are you gonna fill in and then your other needs and oh man. Needs you till I drop too. Harper and then you're playing that game too. It's like every day you're on the news, you know, with Harper, man, I really need I really need Cade. I need a I need a speculative closer. What's Harper doing? Is Harper coming back? And th- those are the kind of decisions that can get real, real infuriating in season. So I th- actually think he's a better DC play, <laughs> just just because of uh, right, <laughs> just because of that. Because I think you can just stash it, build accordingly, have twelve outfielders instead of ten, right? If you want, but he he hasn't qualified for outfield yet, so I think people should know that in the NFBC. He's UT only, right? And I think he's expected to return as a DH too. And he's expected to return as a DH, right? So, um, 
I think it's I mean, a good stash for a draft and hold. I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. It, it. It's Bryce Harper, and you could build that narrative into it, right? Yeah. It's Bryce Harper. Uh, this guy's a fucking monster. You know, he he last year he played with a fucking torn UCL, a, a thumb that got hit by a ball, and he was still up there hacking away, giving everything he could for his team. So yeah. I don't – I'm not questioning Bryce Harper at I all. I can't believe he's like only – 30 years old. 30 years old. <laughs> he's been in the league forever. 30 years old. Almost 300 homers, but don't worry. He's Jeez. a fucking dud. Everyone said he's a fluke. He's a dud. Right. I mean, just look at the 2020 season, the the COVID year, 244 plate appearances. He still hit 13 homers with uh, 33 ribbies, eight steals, more walks and strikeouts. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I've, I've taken him once, um, and that was in the second round before. Uh, yep. <laughs> I think that was our one of the early. <laughs> yeah, early one of the ones. early ones. Yep, <laughs> so, yep. But uh, All right. Uh, going in the same range, Alex Bohm, uh, 185, Bryson Stott, 220 on average. What do, you, what do you think their peaks seasons look like? Do you think these guys have, like, A ridiculous bone? seasons in them? I don't know. I can't get there with Bohm. I, I, I really I know a lot of a lot of this is a this is a famous line. A lot of smart people like him. Um <laughs> but I just can't never get there with him. I, I really can't. He's just so average to me. Um I, I don't I know there's incremental things that are getting better, uh, but I don't know how much better they get. And again, the ADP is just—I uh, don't like it. I—I I would rather wait for my corner third baseman and take him. I think his his profile is available later. But maybe I'm missing something in the upside for him. I just feel like for someone who hits like generally like third through like maybe fifth or sixth, like he should he should have like way more RBIs. Yeah. I don't know. I know the power is not like power upside's not tremendous or anything, but um what yeah, about like, Stott? Why, are you Yeah, are like you why do or? people love I mean, what do people love about him to push him up this high? Again, I and this is not to relate everything back to Yandy Diaz, but Yandy Diaz does this a hundred <laughs> picks later. <laughs> the same exact thing. Ninety eight WRC plus that's exactly the same. That's like yeah. insulting Yandi because you can talk WRC plus is way better than that. Um, but chases a lot. Um, the contact is okay, you know, one eleven max TV fine, but the barrels six point eight percent. The hard hit went down. He's hey, pulling yeah, the ball better. more though, so that's good. He's pulling the ball a little more. And the launch angle is increasing. You know, we see, so we see that elevation starting to change just a little bit. But to expect, you know, to him to take that next step, it has to go higher, right? I just, I don't know. I don't know how much higher his 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 swing and his game can take it. So I just think that he's he's white bread with butter, toasted. I loved that reference. That was so good. <laughs> um. And then do you feel the same about Bryson Stott or do you think? Uh... Yeah, I have a total bias for Bryson Stott. I think everyone in this podcast knows. I saw him playing the minors. Yep. He he wowed me. I, I I love I love everything about the profile that he showed in his first year. 
and that I think he got better, you know, as the season went on. Um, yeah. Just even watching the games too, again, watching a lot of Met games and again, catching him um, as a player too. It's like nine out of 12 on the, on the base path in the second half of the season, 276 average. Um, hit the ball harder, and he just made. He just thought he was getting more comfortable in in his role. So, I do. I know there's talks about him losing some time to Josh Harrison, mm -hmm. but I hope doesn't. I hope no one ever loses time to Josh Harrison. Or just he's a good multi eligibility guy. He's a good plug and play guy. I think think he's a part of a winning team. I don't think he's a threat to take away serious at bats from. Uh, Bryson's All right, let's, let's close this out with the closers. Um, this is probably the messiest closing situation in the league. Sir Anthony Dominguez, ADP 260 since February 1st. Craig Campbell, 292. Gregory Soto, 495. Uh, big, big fall for him uh, over the recent drafts. And then Jose Alvarado, 496. Um, Rob Thompson likes to be fluid with his late inning relievers. Um, do you see any of these four emerging as a clear favorite? And uh, uh, not really any of the four. Um, but how many projected saves? I, I know you do your your projected saves for each team, right? Because you have your win total. So how many projected saves do you have for the Phillies in general? I 35, have... 38, 40? just clicked off the page give me one second okay no i have deal. i have i know i have kimbrel soto and dominguez at 10 apiece but just um, in total okay so probably so, like 35 i would guess minimum 30 yeah, minimum i have them at sorry 41 saves so 88 if, wins 41 saves okay 41 saves now what is the probability that two of the guys has 30 of those saves. What's the chance that Kimbrell and Dominguez has 15 apiece? I think that's more likely than anyone having 30. Right. Yeah. Oh, I see so, what you're saying. Yeah. So in a 15-team league, what about taking two of those guys with another closer? You need what? You need about 64 saves to get the 80th percentile? The Bikes? problem is, is all these guys suck. Like in terms of walk rate, like ten percent walk rates, they're gonna walk the world. <laughs> yeah, but this is this is the type that they've in, that they went after. They have targeted true, Alvarado yeah. and they true. harnessed him. So they targeted Soto. Decision. <laughs> this is an intentional decision. But just to see the changes Alvarado makes, man, I, I'm just wondering if if they could do the same thing with Soto, you know? And yeah. and if so, if if they can make him a, as filthy as Alvarado was last year, control-wise. And, I mean, wow, it could just be a filthy, filthy bullpen, right? Um, yeah. but I just love in, Alvarado. I think he's I my favorite. I love Alvarado at cost. Yeah, I think he's my favorite guy at cost. But let's just say you're building a team and, I don't know, or in an online championship, you take two of these guys or um, a 15-team fab league, like take two of these guys plus another closer and you'll get 30 from them. If you get 30 from another closer – you're already at your where you need to be to be 80th percentile. I don't think it's something I'll I would try personally, but it was just something I was I always 
envision like drafting one bullpen of a team and seeing if I could fit that as, mm-hmm. you know, as making it work and gladiators. I did. I tried, I got like one was just all rays, you know, Fairbanks, uh, Adams and Clevenger, you know, just like, can I piece together an ultimate pen from one team? Um, but this Philly team might be the, DCs. yeah, this yeah. might be the team to try it with, it you know, or, 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 or even if you, even if you just want to invest you know what? If you take some radical strategy and saying, "Hey, you know what? I'll take all these guys in a draft champions." Right at some point of the year, you know you're gonna need a pitcher to come in, and now you're pitching all these different pitchers in your starting lineup. But you, there's some weeks where you go to five starters, four relievers. Right? You put all these four guys in. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're walking to three saves a week. I don't know. It's not. I, I thought it was crazy, but the more I think about it, I don't think it's that nuts. I forget who um, did the article, but I know um, when when adding Kimbrel, it was about his his curveball. Um, they didn't have a reliever that had a curveball. Um, okay, and... so, so so here we go. Page right out of the Rays. Yeah, mm-hmm. having different profiles to face different hitters. Exactly. Yeah, hundred percent. But and that makes sense. I mean, that's the shift that a lot of bullpens are taking, and. It makes sense, right? I mean, you don't want all your pitchers to have the same thing, the same approach, because then the, the batters are just different give looks, the eyes. pitches, yeah. arm slots, velos. Yeah. yeah, it's yep. It's it's so cool to see like teams thinking deeply like that, and they've probably done so for a long time. It's just you know we don't hear about it too much uh, until recently, but. But, but, this was good, Rob. Thanks for. Uh, I'm wondering welcome. too. One more quick question, if you can, yeah. um, because like you know, the two lefties are going later, mm-hmm. right at 495 and 496. Soto and Alvarado. Now, do you envision or can you play this narrative in your head that one lefty, one righty will be more of the guy in the eighth, and then one lefty or righty could be the guy in the ninth? Does that make mm. sense? Yeah. Like. Like one guy could be the lefty quote unquote closer. Like what if Soto is the guy who really should be going with Dominguez is and Dominguez is the eighth inning HLR like Alvarado is, but then Kimbrell and Soto are the closers per se that will change based on profiles needed or handedness. I think Alvarado, I mean, I think again, the more I talk this out, I think Soto might be going in a spot where we're kind of undervaluing him right now. Yeah, yeah. I really he, do he think as be. bad as the profile is, as bad as the profile is, again, we're just looking for saves. I think he had, what, 75% of the Tiger saves last yeah, year, like he was, one of the highest he was, percentages. He was one of the top, yep. I think they should be flip-flop because I don't think Kimbrough is going to be an HLR ever. I think he's just a ninth-inning guy. Yeah. And I think they'll have a lefty ninth-inning guy, and I think Soto will be that guy. So I think... I think I just talked myself into bumping up Soto for my next draft. <laughs> if anyone's going to draft against me, just know that it might come at some point. Rob's um, going to be uh, getting that ADP back up to like round 10 range. For, well, this is what Soto. we do. We chase thoughts, right? We chase <laughs> thoughts. We chase intuition. We chase instincts, impulse, everything. I'm a very impulsive guy too. So I just talked it into my brain. And if I was picking right now in an ADP, in a draft, I'd probably pick him if he was available. But again, this—I mean, this is what we do, right? This is we try mm-hmm. to give ourselves a feeling of of this is 
this is what I want or this is what makes sense. And so I just talked myself into something that I know Bobby Henry Tolo would be like, these guys don't know what they're fucking talking. I about. know. Like we need <laughs> we need Bobby Big Bobby uh, input. <laughs> yeah. Bobby he's got, he's got all the money right now. He, he needs to tell us what to do here. He's got so. the title too, the main event title. Yeah. Everyone's coming after Bob this year. Oh man. But yeah, good stuff, Ryan. Thanks yeah, you for, thanks, for, uh, thanks for all your input. This was great. And uh, we'll be back for NL Central soon. Tell everyone where to find you, what you're doing, right before you leave. Uh, rotowire.com. Find me on Twitter at Ryan Roof, R-U-F-E. Uh, Rotowire, I'll be um, early March. I'll be doing an update to my closer rankings that I recently released earlier this month. Uh, just put out a draft champions 101 article, uh, Rotowire. Mm. Um you know, if you're not familiar with the the format on the NFBC, go check that out. It's really kind of for an introduction to um, DCs, and I'll be doing one for for gladiators as well. Um, I'm wrapping that one up uh, this week, but um, obviously that contest is currently closed, so uh, that is urgent. But um, yeah, all my works at Rotowire uh, manage the closer grid. There's going to be a lot of updates to that grid uh, throughout spring training, so. Keep an eye on that. Um, closer hierarchies, I'll be updating. My closer waiting rankings, I'll be updating. So uh, a lot of activity going on. Uh, Rotowire and, and, and of course, all the other great articles that we have on the site. Um, the podcast is back um, on a daily uh, uh, every day. So check out the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast if you haven't already. Fantastic. And check out the NFBC for anyone who wants to play the first time player, they can go on the NFBC site, sign up for a league and put in the code Deadpool 25 and you'll get $25 off for your draft. That's right, folks. All you got to do is put in the code Deadpool 25 and you will be able to get 25 bucks off any format, any league, any draft you want to use. I have a Online championship scheduled for March 10th. It's a Friday. And I have a fast draft express draft champion scheduled for March 3rd. It's also a Friday. So if you want to use it to come play me, you, you could do that too. You know, I think it would be a grand old time. So I might have to hop um, in that one, buddy. Yeah. Oh, come on. No, 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 no. no <laughs> now that I know your Gregory Soto uh, come on. love, I'm going to have to snipe him. Don't hop you. in the league. Don't be a bag of shit. <laughs> No friends. This is a no friend zone. Yeah, we've done too many drafts together. Yeah, right? enough, enough. Those are like the you know the first ones to start the year. We're just like fucking around. There's only there's only us who want to draft anyway, and a couple of other meatballs. But um, all right, good stuff, Ryan. And um, yeah, we'll Thanks come back next week and we'll head up the NL Central and then the NL West, and we'll be right in the middle of spring training with all this fun stuff happening. So, yeah, thank you for hopping on, bro. Talk to you soon. All righty. All righty, folks. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Pole Hitter Podcast. Make sure you spend your time doing happy things, fun things. Pay attention to your family, your loved ones, and spring training that it's about to start, right? It's a lot of miserable shit going on around us. And it's it's demoralizing sometimes, but I think we got to try our best to just put every best foot forward as we can. Not be ignorant to what's going on, but just try not to let it stress you out. Make a difference if you can. 
anything you can do to not be a big bag of shit. <laughs>